Welcome to Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap, along with my co-host, Tyler. And today, we're going to be speaking about a lot of things, including like the Buffalo Bills game that happened Thursday. Um, me and Tyler have differing opinions on one specific, specific, specific play. I, I, it's already pissing me off, Tyler, because I know you're going to piss me off. <laughs> and um, we're going to talk about the Jags game. Obviously, Dan Campbell said today that James Williams might not be ready this week, but he might be ready next week. So they'll see what goes on through the week. But first, so are we are so are we gonna see Jameson Williams against Jacksonville? Or is... uh, he said that it'd be a tall task. So, I mean, it's okay. like a it's like a fifty fifty shot basically. That's why I read into it. I don't see why they wouldn't uh, like maybe try to get him in there. Maybe limited snaps. You know, twenty twenty five, no, fifteen twenty snaps. They said uh, the whole reason that they're you know they're gonna try to figure the how they do in high intensity situations, and then they'll make a determination. So that means that. They're going to run them through some, you know, simulations of what a game could be like and see how they respond. Because that's the main, that's main, that's the main thing that happens when you're an athlete. You get in, you get injured and next thing you know, you're put into a game and you're, you're not the same player. So we'll get into that and we'll get into a bunch of stuff on the DLN pod. But first, listen, me and Tyler differ on a very, very unique play. In certain situations, now we all know that Tyler is the Goth hater of all epic proportions. I'm more like middle of the road. I think Goth. I don't think Goth is great. I don't think he's like this amazing quarterback, but I do think he's serviceable, like Kirk Cousins, like a Ryan Tannehill, like a Jimmy G. But in that Lions Bills game, you know when you watched that game and you you it was a third and one. The main thing I take out of that, and I don't know, Tyler will join us in a minute, but the main thing I take out of that 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 play was one, you know, the reason that it was a deep route was I have no idea. I really don't know why they were calling a deep route. That's some of Tyler's. Tyler has a, a issue with Ben Johnson's and his play calling on third and the third and downs and fourth downs. He's got a gripe here. Um, I don't really think they should have. What you know his game his game scripts and everything are fine like I don't mind his play calling it's just dude it, it like I feel like great the difference between good coordinators and great coordinators are your you know third and shorts your fourth and shorts your second half adjustments and it's like our point differential in the third quarter this season is negative fifty five yeah um which is just straight horrid I mean it's yeah. it's ass cheeks and then outside of that. You know, I'm constantly like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. It's funny though. You know, you cut out for a minute though, Tyler. But uh, it's funny you hear about you hear about um Ben Johnson's play calling, right? And we always say that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's I, some. Here, I just it connected to my Bluetooth in my car. That's all. Oh, you're good. I was just. He's I'm a... just gonna say to finish with that, and I'll let you get. I'll let you finish yours here in a second. Where I was going with that, the difference between good and great coordinators is those third and shorts, fourth and shorts. I gave them the pass in the beginning of the year, but it seems like more lately, it's like these third and sh- shorts, fourth and shorts. It's like we're trying to be tricky by like throwing these bombs, and it's just it, they're putting. And I and I and I said I saw you say this, and I saw someone else say, it, and I actually do agree with it to a pretty lengthy extent. Is that 
that's a big coaching issue is like, you know, that golf is not that guy. So like, why are we putting our faith in golf to dump a 40 yard pass on third and short or fourth and short? I don't agree with the call, but multiple times in that play, I felt like it was completely available and should have been a completion three different areas. And that's why I still think golf is a sack of poop. Well, here's the thing. You you talked about that with about the play where you know he could have dumped it to Amra. There, Amra was not open. I mean, he was open, but it, when the, when the window was open, he was the only people that were open was Chark and Brock Wright, and Brock Wright was heading towards the safety, so he would have got his head taken off. But I take something to what Dan Campbell said after the game, Tyler. He said that DJ Chark and Jared Goff were not on the same page. So if he if it was Jared Goff's throw that he he knows that he missed, he would have said it because he's he's been he's been very honest with Jared Goff the whole year with you know he can't turn the ball over blah blah blah. But they weren't on the same page. So this goes all back to Ben Johnson, which you've been saying about Ben Johnson is these third and shorts and these fourth and shorts. There's an issue we have with Ben Johnson. Why in the hell? Would you put Jared Goff in that position to where he's th- he's going to be end up throwing to a guy who hasn't been on the field long enough to develop chemistry? You did that earlier in the season with Josh Reynolds. I mean, and they have immense chemistry, and that was just a, a ball that he couldn't read in, in the lights or whatever. But this is a play that where, like, if DJ Tark and Jared Goff didn't read the right play, or they, they, were on the, they weren't on the same page. Doesn't that tell you everything you need to know about was it a coaching issue or was it a was it a uh, Jared Goff issue? Because in my opinion, that shows me that tells me one that tells me one thing. You made this you made this play selection for what? You do realize you're going against the Buffalo Bills, and their offensive line. I mean, their defensive line is pretty damn good. And Oliver was showing your guards up. Next thing you got to know about is they were going to blitz on it. You could see that they were going to blitz. I don't know why you would even call that. I think you have more of a shot to do a run play to get the first down. A pass play is just is just stupidity. Yeah, and it's another – the thing that's annoying too is it's like a lot of people are uh, upset about like Dan Campbell, right, in this, in this situation. Um, and it's like I actually think this is a situation where we had – Dan Campbell actually like giving and putting in his faith into Ben Johnson. Well, yeah. I, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that he pretty much is like, Hey, look, you're the coordinator. Um, you know, people, you know, you're mate, you're, you're doing well, you're young, you know, do, it's all, it's, it's in your hands, baby. You do what you do. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he drove a play, which I've seen people argue that it's not a horrible play call. And I, I guess I see that point of view because I mean, Shark did have his defender by three or four steps. Right. So it's like, and and it's like, look, if you if you do run it, um, and we get it right, and we end up chewing the clock, and we do still kick the field goal, and then it's like, do you really trust the Lions in overtime against the Bills? Uh, not, no. I mean, not really. No. Um, but so it's well, like I, I see that point of view, but it's like at the same time, it's like. I don't know, man. Like, would it kill us to just do like the obvious thing once in a freaking while? Like, well, you know what? This so here's the thing: you gotta know the situation that you have with you. Okay, 
the Lions were not just playing any quarterback, okay? They were playing Josh Allen. And even Josh Allen with being like 70%, 60%, 50%, he's still better than half the quarterbacks in the league. We know that. Right. So why in the hell would you give this guy close to 30, 40 seconds to run, run get the, down the field? Like, if I'm better, no, it's not, tough. It's you, tough. Like, like, you can't do that. Like, there's certain quarterbacks that you have to, you have to be like, okay, we have to guard against time, and we have to guard against the the quarterback because it's like it's like Tom Brady, it's like Aaron Rodgers, like Patrick Mahomes. Like if you give them a minute, that's basically four minutes in their book, basically. Right. No, for sure. And, and the way I see it too is, like I said, as far as you want to go, talk about aggressiveness and hey, we're trying to go win the game. Like when you think about it in a different light, like I I guess I hate it less because look, if Goff was any sort of a quarterback. I mean, and could hit, you know, a multitude of people uh, when they were wide open, um, you know, or at least the, the, the deep ball with Chark who had him by four steps. If you can hit that in stride, I mean, next thing you know, you know, we're holding a parade for Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell and saying, man, they're so aggressive. Their balls are so big. We won this game because we were aggressive, right? So, like, you make a simple throw and a simple catch and it's a, it's a completely different podcast right now. We're talking about how, you know, we're so like our, our nuts are so big and our aggressiveness is so crazy. And we did all those things. Obviously it didn't happen that way. Um, But, you know, but you do got to think with Chark missing a ton of time with Goff and him not ever having any real time here in chemistry and Goff having one of the worst, deep balls by advanced metrics this year out of any quarterback and his timing just consistently off and his throws deep consistently off. It's like, was that really a smart play regardless? You know, if we, if we had got it, I, I almost viewed like that would, that would have been like lucky. You know what I mean? That, that's why so, I, that's, see people that it's, say it's uh, see, tough. See people that say it's a good play call because it's aggressive. Like you want to be aggressive. I get that. You you want to be aggressive. But they're the same people shitting on Dan telling them he should be fired because he's so aggressive. Same right. crowd. I, I, it's 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 a hit or miss. But in this situation, like I'm just like being honest. Like you have to just do the regular play. Like just make the don't make be aggressive. Don't try to go for broke. And the route tree that they're running, where where Brock Wright was running running a streak, and and St. Brown was coming in. The whole issue of why he got thrown off, and you could tell that Goff wanted to go to St. Brown, but by the time AJ Klein blitzed in, and one of the guards didn't pick up um, AJ Klein, so he was coming in with the with with heat. Uh, by oh, the time, man, our offensive line play was horrible. Well, see, that's that's another thing we're going to talk about too. Is the, the we need Jonah Jackson back bad because that you know we put Coyote in there, who's he's a he's a young player, you know he's. He's he's very very young raw. He's a raw kid, right? And then you put Dan Skipper in, and Dan Skipper, he caused a lot of issues for Jared Goff the whole time. Oh, for sure. But like, it's, I mean, and, and yeah, it's, I mean, obviously we'll dive into that a little bit later. But it's just as far as play calling, and you know what's funny is it's like, but here's it's the weird thing. because it's like if you're gonna be aggressive, then like if you're gonna be that aggressive, then why not be that aggressive and just go for it on fourth and one too? It's but, like it's no, almost like Dan exactly. was like, hey. And no, then exactly. all of a sudden he he stepped in and was like, "No, we're gonna take the points." No, exactly. Here's the thing: if you're gonna be aggressive like that, that should that you know what you should have done. If you were gonna be aggressive like that and that was your third and one play, then you needed a fourth down call. 
You needed a call that you were going to go to on fourth down and be like, this is how we're going to get the fourth down. It should have been four down territory. But they, they didn't do that. And I didn't like the play call for a simple fact. The reason is your guards have been getting killed all day. They caused the safety, which was a massive, massive part of the game. Like yep. Ed, Ol- I mean, yeah, Ed, I was... Oliver, Ed Oliver was living in that backfield because the guards were knocked to snuff. Yeah, and that's actually one play I actually missed because I was driving from uh, Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving. Like, uh, I was in my side of the family for the first half. And then the second half, we, uh, you know, I drove over to my girlfriend's family and uh, watched the rest of the game there and had some food. So I actually missed the safety. Um, but I mean, and I'm like, I'm like 19, 14. Like, what the hell? And I'm like, okay, some, we got a safety. That's, uh, that's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just, it was all because Coyote, uh, Ed Oliver rushed to inside. Frank Ragnow took the, the blitzer. And then, you know, Ed Oliver got in there and just wreaked havoc. And that's, that's the issue. Like, it, the issue with the play call, I the issue with the Oliver, play call. That sounds familiar. That sounds that sounds like a guy we could have had uh, instead of Hawkinson. Hmm. Well, you know, you can't. <laughs> yeah, him and Brian Burns and um, man, there's a lot of guys you could have got. Montez Sweat, man. Right. It's just you know what? It just goes to show you that general managers we had in the past were just awful. Oh, by the way, happy two year anniversary of oh, uh, Patricia and Quinn being fired. Yeah, that's that's a that's a brutal two year anniversary. It's like um it's like when you're getting divorced, right? You get divorced and you're like happy two year anniversary, but I'm paying alimony <laughs> now. Right. No, but the you know the issue though, is, like I tell like we this is the last I'll harp on it, but the issue with the play call that I have is you know that your guard play wasn't good, right? You know your your guard play was uh, very meh. So uh, you decide to do a deep shot pass or, you know, a check down to St. Brown or right, and it, it just didn't go good. Yeah, and, and it's um, – I, th- I, mean, I think it's part of the growing pains. If you want to really, like – like, look, as far as the play call – I mean, the play calling at the end of the game, we tied it up, right? Yeah. We, we Dan Campbell said, you know what, no, I know the third the, – hey, look, whatever you just did there, Ben – that wasn't it. We're going to take the points. And I do respect him for trying to stay in it. Right. Um, but, uh, I mean, let's actually talk, take for a second the fact that we lost on a last second, three seconds left, field 50-yard field goal to a Super Bowl favorite. I mean, this is like a bit like let's like for a second, let's actually scale back, look back and say like, I can't believe we're having this conversation. Like, Hats off to the Lions on Sunday mm. or on Thursday. Hats off to the coaching staff. For anyone saying that Dan had a bad game coaching is an idiot. Yeah. Um, hats off to, you know, Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson. They both called pretty decent games for the most part. And like I said, you just took, you know, a potential MVP favorite, for, for at least in the beginning of the year, and a potential Super Bowl favorite, and you took them down to a last-second field goal. Like, would we have been talking about this? two, three, four, five years ago? Absolutely not. We would have been talking about how pissed we are that we just got blown out by 30. Yeah, and then we'll we'll talk about that in the next segment. So I'll, we'll stop it, and then we'll talk about it in the next segment as we go over. But if you're in the podcast, you can just continue through. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! They did it! All right, Tyler. So on the, you know, the Bills-Lions game, we talked about, you know, the, the play calling. But I think it's important that people know that 
you took a Super Bowl contender to the brink. They, you know, got a last second field goal. They kicked it. It was good. Lions lose. I really don't think, you know, everyone says you don't take moral victories, no moral victories, no moral victories. I don't really think it's a moral victory as such. I think it's just a sign of progress because if you would have told me a couple weeks ago that we would be three points within the Buffalo Bills, you would cover the spread. I don't really think people would be like, oh my God, that's, that's horrible because the Buffalo Bills are just that good. Now, you know, obviously you would love to beat them. You should have beat them because there was chances, but it just shows you how good the Lions have got. And I think it's more of a sign of progress than it is, you know, a moral victory. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I also, uh, something that kind of goes in line with that is that, dude, we, we, we talked about, like I said, we always have these, these common themes that we talk about. And I feel like it's important to always like remind people and touch on them because, it is important. And one of those things being is, you know, we are developing this next man up mentality and, you know, we're getting, excuse me, plays from people that we're not used to getting plays from. Like for instance, um, three sacks and a pick in this game, right? The interception was Alex Anzalone and the two sacks came from James Houston, a, a rookie who played five snaps. And the other sack came from Benito Jones. So you're talking about guys that like, have never played, rarely play, or, like, never get big-time plays like that. And they're coming up with turnovers or they're coming up with big plays, big sacks. And that's the kind of stuff that you like to see, you know, especially being down, uh, you know, a few guys to injuries. Um, It just seems like, you know, schematically we're doing better. And even though we're lacking uh, talent on defense, um, these guys are playing a lot harder for Aaron Glenn these last few weeks. Um, and there's guys coming up with big plays. And Anzalone almost had two interceptions. Yeah. I just hope he's not, like, playing his way back onto, like, being a starter because I wish that him and Will Harris would, like, take a ship to moon or take a ship to Mars and never come back. But Alex Anzalone has definitely proved that there could be a role for him on this team, as much as I absolutely hate to say that. I mean, we still need starters at the linebacker position that are not him. but he's find a way to made some really nice plays these last few weeks. So it's like, you want that out of guys though. They got guys that we were pretty much like telling to piss off, you know, three, four, five weeks ago that they're saying, no, I, you know, I'm going to stick around. I am going to hang around. I do want to play for this team. I do want to play for my coaches and I will be here next year. It means a lot to see those guys that have been written off as, you know, next year's cuts already they're actually coming out here and playing for their coaches and they're trying to make plays. That was huge to me. Yeah. You know, I know you don't like Will Harris, but I think he had a pretty good game against the Buffalo Bills. All things considered, obviously that last play. Where Nancy, I was watching him get cooked, bro. Like he, I, he wasn't really getting cooked. I, he was, he, he, that one play to Stefan Diggs where Allen hit him right over the top, you know, and, it, and it, he beat him in stride. I mean, that was just a great throw, great route. And there was no way he was he was catching it. I mean, obviously catching digs up at, at that spot. You know, obviously when Will Harris is your second cornerback, you know you're in trouble. I mean, he's good as like your third or fourth guy. I think there's a role for him in that that equation. But like him as your like slot guy, or like you know even a slot guy, he would be good at because he's not that bad in the slot. But outside in the outside position, he's he's horrible and. One of the things the Bills did on that play where they Diggs caught that ball from Allen um, to put him in field goal range, 
basically it was just a great throw and then he they put Diggs in the inside and with a slot and that's where will harris was and he just cooked him on that route but most of the day will harris was doing good Alan zaloni i know he gets a lot of hate by everybody but he you know he's he's a really sound linebacker he's not going to wow you he's not going to be a great linebacker you know is he a starter no but can he be can he be a sub linebacker in some you know packages hell yeah he can be um, obviously he's on the last year's contract, so we'll see what happens there. But listen, Lions, they, they played a really, really good game. And I was really excited the way they played dude. Cause if you think about it, the defense did their job most, mostly, you know, they, obviously they had a little bit of, uh, you know, big plays against them and all that. But for the, for the most part, they played a really good game without two key players on, on that, uh, defense. And that was Obviously, Tracy Walker, which we haven't had all season long, but Okuda not being there is a huge issue. And the, I just take this back to what really was the issue in this Bills-Lions game. And I don't like to make excuses about injury because I think it's garbage. But when you're a team like the Lions, like you can't afford injuries, especially when you're going against a team like the Bills who have been building for years where you know their backups are like pretty good. I mean, they're not like going to wow you but they're pretty good and one of the things that the lions can't afford when they play these teams is to play their backups like we were talking about the yeah. guard we were talking about the guards in the last segment about how they were so bad when you well when you're on your you know third and fourth string guards like yeah you're gonna get cooked by a guy like ed oliver you know and when you have like a corner when you when you're thin in the cornerback spot and you miss a guy like jeff okuda and then you're putting Will Harris in spots and you're putting, you know, Jerry Jacobs got banged up at the end of the game. I mean, that yeah. just show, that just shows you, like, there's a long way to go for this team in terms of depth. Well, there's but, tons of teams that you put in their third and fourth string guards and you put in their third and fourth string linebackers and their third and fourth string corners. It's not a three-point game. I mean, you know, a lot of teams, you take that, that depth and that talent away. I mean, you're, you're lucky if that's, a, you know, a, a – a 15 point game against the bills, you know? So the fact that we're on, you know, some positions, our third, fourth, fifth string guys is, is huge. I mean, that speaks volumes to our coaching staff and the culture and the next man up mentality. And, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, that that's really big for those guys, man. I mean, you know, I, I look, I mean, you can be mad at, you know, guys like, um, you know, Coyote, but it's like, dude, I, I'm pretty sure that was like, his first time playing in an NFL yeah. game. Yep. I mean, you know, and, and a guy that wasn't even close even, to being projected right. even on the practice squad. I he mean, was, he this was guy on, should be sitting at home on the couch. He he was he was on a MAC team before, you know, a MAC football team in college football, which is not a high level of college football. I mean, I, I know MAC people are going to be pissed, but just the way it is, he's not playing the SEC or the Big Ten or anything. Um, but you like the one thing I take out of what you just said, Tyler, and this is what I take out of it too. It's a credit to the coaching staff because there's the, the, the injuries they've had to deal with all year. You know, you think about it. You know, I know you're not a golf guy, but here's the thing, dude. When you look at your wide receivers and you see Amron St. Brown is the main focal point, right? And you're, you're, you, you are relying on guys like Tom Kennedy, uh, Khalif Raymond, uh, Trinity Benson for a half. Um, you know, some guys that, they wouldn't even make the bottom of some good teams roster. Like That's Stanley Berryhill. Right, right. <laughs> Would Khalif Raymond make the, the Eagles wide receiver room? No. 
Would Tom Kennedy make the, the Eagles wide receiver room? No. I mean, I don't even think you could say he could even make the Green Bay Packers wide receiver room. I mean, to be honest. Tom Kennedy might not make another NFL roster besides I mean, the Lions. He's he's got a little bit of a he's got a, he's got some play to him, but listen, dude, when you when you're on your third and fourth and fifth string wide receivers, to get your offense to play the way they have the last couple games and you know make the plays they have, that's a credit to Jared Goff. That's a credit to Ben Johnson. That's a credit to Dan Campbell because it's like the next man up mentality that you just spoke about. But on the defensive side of the ball, you know, with Aaron Glenn, like you think about it, dude. Like, there's no Romeo Quara. He hasn't hit him all year. They're missing Pascal for the most of the year. Um, you know, obviously Anzarike is out of out of the equation because he's you know hurt. Uh, you got guys like you guys got like uh, Malcolm Rodriguez. You know he gets hurt, and, and then they're they're playing other guys. Uh, Okuda, you know, gets hurt. They're playing other guys. Tracy Walker gets hurt. Oh, Kirby Joseph emerges, but you still got you still got issues back there. You know what I'm saying? Like the one play, the you can't. The Lions are the one team that can't afford injuries. They just can't. Like I know, I know people think it's an excuse, but like you look at it for the reality that it is. Like for the Lions to be in this game with down to their third and their fourth and fifth string uh, guards, and then a beat up DJ Chark, who's just come back off injury, like that shows you all you need to know about the coaching staff, what they're doing, and, and and the progress that they're making. Because if I can only imagine what they do, what they do with these guys, like the like the Coyote and Dan Skipper, and what happens in a couple years when they have really good backups who can come in and play. In the, in the guard spot or the cornerback spot or the linebacker spot, that's when you see the team really take the next step because injuries are part of the NFL. We all know that, but when you don't have the depth, like you know the the, the Buffalo Bills do, where they they can, you know Edmonds gets hurt and they're calling up a guy like AJ Klein to start. Like that's not a bad that's not a bad backup at all. So that right. if, if you're gonna take anything out of this, you take out take out of this one thing. Brad Holmes' building is really, really working. And when he gets more, you know, when he gets more capital, you know, obviously another draft this year is going to really help a free agency where he could spend some, you know, cash and try to, you know, divvy up the depth in, in the defense and the offense. Like, that, that's what's going to, you know, propel you to new heights. Because, no, we, absolutely. because as we've seen, dude, I don't know if there's a better coaching job than what – the Lions have done, especially on offense, because if you look at that offense, like there is no guy on there because DeAndre Swift's been hurt most of the year. Okay, take him away. DJ Chark's been hurt most of the year. Take him away. Reynolds's been hurt most of the year. If I would have told you that at the beginning of the year, you'd probably have been like four, three, two wins at most. Like that's just how yeah. good. The, that's how good I, the coaching it, staff has been. Brad Holmes is. More than you'll like than any of us actually, I think, realistically expected. And um, mark my words here, man. Brad Holmes is another on another level. He is an elite GM already, and he is playing chess, man. While everyone else is playing checkers, and it's coming to fruition. He didn't want, you know, you, people didn't want to believe in him. People didn't want to believe in the Lions, and he's saying you know, that's too damn bad. You're going to, and I'm going to show you why. Like he's, he's, he's playing the right way. He's playing chess. Everyone's playing checkers and he's showing people that, you know, there is a blueprint to this. There is a method to this madness. 
Like we, the you know, the the Lions can and will, man. Just like Dan Campbell said in Hard Knocks, like <clears throat> this guy is legit. I mean, he. Uh, I mean, you look you at know, his, just look at his draft class: P- Pascal, Kirby Joseph, Malcolm Rodriguez, Derek Barnes, Amonara St. Brown. Who, I mean, you could say St. Brown is a top fifteen wide receiver in the NFL right now. James Houston, baby. Right, that's a guy who just played his first game. He gets a couple sacks. Unbelievable. Dude, like, I, I listen, man. Props to that dude. He's played. He played five defensive snaps, five, and he literally had two sacks. I mean, what a beast! He's got a high motor. That guy's the real deal. And um, and you know, and, you know, it was good credit to the Lions for keeping him on the practice squad, and and um. You know, maybe, you know, the practice that they've done with James Houston trying to get him, you know, up to NFL standards, that worked out. I mean, it just goes to show you, like, when you have a coaching staff and you have a general manager, like a general manager you believe in. Like, I'm pretty sure as a Pistons fan, you believe in Troy Weaver, even though the team is kind of regressing right now. Like, I know as a Red Wings fan, I believe that uh, Steve Eisman, and it's showing that he is the guy. Like, these great GMs, they make these draft picks, right? And, like, you just get guy after guy after guy after guy. Like, in terms of your, your pisses, right, Tyler? Like, you you do the pisses pod. Oh, yeah. Everyone pissed on Troy Weaver. Everybody pissed on him because of Killian Hayes. And Killian is killing <laughs> it right now. Hey, man. he, he it's uh, Guys like that, certain guys, and, and I was always a big Killian guy. I, I pretty much text you every time Killian does something good. Um, but, but, uh, but listen, he, you know, I, I bought his Jersey when he got drafted. Um, I, there's certain players that it's not a talent thing. It's a confidence thing. It's a, you know, it's a scheme thing. It's a, how do I fit thing? And and there's certain guys, man, that you, you believe in them. You give them confidence. You give them the tools to succeed. You give them some patience. Uh, and these guys are going to blow up. Um, you know, just wrapping up this Bills game, man. Um, I mean, James Houston, two sacks, huge. By the way, um, breaking roster news from the Lions. Um, we signed defensive end and slash linebacker James Houston to the active roster mm-hmm. and placed Charles Harris on the IR. So uh, that well, likely me that likely means Charles Harris is likely done in Detroit. Well, I think um, he's, got, I, he's, got, he's, he's got another year in his contract. Yeah, but I don't know if they I don't know if they roll into him next year, man. Um we'll see. We'll see because he's gonna have I don't little, know. He's gonna have a little bit of cap hit if they get rid of him, but I think he's done for the year. Uh obviously he's gonna be out four games minimum, so that's that's always a, a different thing. But um like as but he's, is on the active roster, baby, so Well you gotta post that to Detroit Lions News, so um because <laughs> obviously, obviously I can't. But you know, here's the thing about that, dude. You know, James Houston, uh that's just another one of uh, Brad Holmes' brilliant moves. Like it's just another one of his brilliant moves, oh, dude. How I, I he, he they said, oh, you know, sixth round pick, you know, James Houston. I mean, look, a lot of guys in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round that I've never heard of, but I think even the biggest and and baddest and most in depth sports fans went, who, who, who the hell is that? And the, the only reason, know, I, and, the only the only reason I knew who James Houston was, and I'll tell you how I know who James Houston was. He was playing in the uh, I forget what it was. Um, it's like Jackson the, State. Yeah, he was playing at Jackson State, but I forget the team. That, I think they're playing Grambling, or whatever. And he absolutely unloaded on a quarterback, and I thought it was hilarious because he hit the guy so hard they knocked his helmet off. You don't usually see hits like that anymore. Right. 
So I was yeah, like, no. that's what caught my eye. But when I, you know, when the Lions drafted him, I was like, okay, this is interesting because he's not your prototypical defensive end where he's he's big and he has size and he's you know fat. He's six four and like two fifty five. He's not like Aiden Hutchinson, but you know, Aiden Hutchinson's a freaking woolly mammoth at six seven. But like you know, it's like it's like. Man, like if this hits, like this could be something different. And what do you see with Brett Holmes is the same thing you see with Stevie Wyatt in, in with the Red Wings is man, when they make these picks, right? They make these draft picks, like they don't miss often. Like the guys that they're picking in the fifth and sixth round, they're hitting it like good. Well, there's there's things that they're they're looking for, right? So Brad Holmes and and I read um and I read this. I don't know if it was you that posted this or um I didn't check uh, on there, but they said a source, I, I think I saw it on Twitter, uh, a trusted source, they said um, a source revealed to them that was in the Lions front office um, that's very familiar with Brad Holmes and his draft selections and kind of the uh, the um, um, personnel surrounding yeah. Brad Holmes. And they said that pretty much since in his two drafts, he has basically gotten every guy he pretty much wanted. Like there's not many, if, if any, really guys that he had his mind and heart set on and had all these things that were like snatched from him. Like he's played it smooth. He's played it cool. And, um, you know, he's pretty much gotten everybody uh, he's had his eye on, which is awesome to hear. And the guy that he really wanted and was very aggressive for and Jamison Williams, he traded up with a divisional rival at that traded up to 12 to get him. So um, Brad Holmes is as much as you want to say, Oh, well, you know, the checkers kind of fall that way and you kind of just throw, you know, darts at a dartboard at that stage in the draft. No, this guy had his draft board and this guy got who he wanted. Now, Bob Quinn was always trying to be the smartest guy in the room. It would take these random shots in the dark to try to be Mr. Mr. Smartass to try to find your, you know, insane, all this, that talent. And these, these rounds, the guy was just closing his eyes and chucking a dart at the dartboard. Yeah, he was trying to do Brad Holmes is, he's trying to do a patient calculated. Brad Holmes is calculated. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's getting his guys. He's looking for something specific. You know, he's looking for a certain mentality. You know, all his guys were captains in college. Like he just, they have certain pedigree. They have certain skills. They have certain raw abilities. Yeah. And he just has a, he just has a keen sense for it, man. I mean, he was the same guy that was responsible for, you know, the, the scouting and the selecting of, you know, Aaron Donald and Cooper cup, um, yeah. you know, and, and guys and guys like that, you know, that, um, that's where, were uh you know a little bit not i mean donald was i mean that's he had a great college career but that, that, that was a fourth like round. Up, you know yeah fourth but, what, fourth rounder yeah. i mean out of eastern yeah uh cooper cup jordan fuller you know their safety uh you know they they the rams had Taylor so many, Rapp. yes the rams have had so many good picks in the middle rounds and that's all a credit to brett holmes because you know the way you find out a good general manager, except for best best basketball, because you don't have like eight rounds, right? With uh, hockey and football, you have uh, seven rounds in the draft. And the way you figure out if you have a good general manager is if they hit on the fourth, third, sixth, and seventh round picks. They don't have to be superstars, but they just have to be guys that come in and they, they work. And I think what Brad Holmes does correctly is – you know, you, you can see the way he's building this team is, you know, he built this team with smart players. I, I think that's what you really see. Like, Kirby Joseph is a smart freaking football player. Malcolm Rodriguez is a smart player. Aiden Hutchinson, Which, by the way, 
Malcolm Rodriguez, man, highest PFF grading of his career last week. Um, I believe it was 91.4, which would have put him at, like, second in the league at linebacker. He was he was unbelievable. But, you know, that's, 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 that's exactly what we're talking about, though. Like, these guys are smart. They're good players, and they're athletic. But the most important thing is that they have a head on their shoulders and they can think about the game while it's going on. You know, I think if you go in Lions past, like, if you go to Lions teams in the past, like Chris Houston, right, he was athletic, but he, the one thing about Chris Houston is he was kind of, you know, he wasn't a really smart player. He was, a, he was, you know, he was a smart player, but he wasn't like, he wasn't a guy like Darius Slayer. He wasn't a guy like, you know, uh, Jeff Okuda or anything where, you know, he, he was thinking outside the box. He is more of like a, you know, a finesse kind of guy. And sometimes you need those guys, but sometimes you need the guys that really think about the game as it's going on. And that's what you see with these guys that the that Brett Holmes has drafted. They all have the same mentality. They all have the same kind of IQ, and it just works. Yeah, it is, it's it's incredible to see because how many times do people say, "Oh man, you know we we mean and we need a guy like uh, you know we need that Kayvon Thibodeau, man. You know we need him. We need him." And then people are like, "Look, man, Aiden, he's he's a really hard worker. He's got a great physical attributes, and I mean he works his ass off, and he's a leader. You know, and it's like." You know, what is Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau doing on their teams? Not a lot, man. That's, that's um, why and, I go into the draft. That's why I go into the draft, uh, Tyler. Like, you want a quarterback. I know you do. But, like, if, if Brad Holmes says, like, he goes through that draft process and he realizes that, like, these quarterbacks absolutely blow. And I know I know one right away that a lot of people will gravitate to is the Anthony Richardson kid. He's awful. Like, if Brad Holmes goes through that draft process and he goes, there's not a quarterback I'm taking. Like I will personally be like, if he doesn't see it, then no one sees it. You know what I'm saying? Cause like, if, cause like a lot of uh, franchises, they go after a quarterback and it's a total bust, like Zach Wilson. Right. Or like Trey Lance, like guys that just don't fit the motto. And I think the, I think that's what Brad Holmes is going to, you know, be at. He's going to be at the situation where he's going to have to either take a quarterback or he's going to have to wait. Yeah, and it's – I know that that there's uh, – sorry. I know that there are guys that, you know, people are looking at. Um, but, you know, there's guys that, you know, you just have to have that right grit. You have to have that right makeup. And you have to kind of make sure that that, trust, that, that decision is trusted. Like, yes, I got a quarterback just because I kind of want to start our window earlier than later. Um, I do want, uh, but I, but I, I want specific guys. Like I know you don't like Bryce Young because of his size. I really like Bryce Young because of his, uh, his pocket mobility and his pocket awareness. Um, and his just like, it's just got a, like a very like finesse clean, like way of playing that I just kind of like, I don't know. I just, I like it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm up in the, I'm up and down about CJ Stroud. I know that us Ohio state quarterbacks don't typically fare well, but, he has a real, like, if I'm trying to, like, I'm trying not to be biased because he plays for Ohio State and all their quarterbacks end up being kind of trash. I'm trying not to be, like, biased about that, but, like. But CJ Sean is trash. Like, you just say, he's trash. He's not good. I've seen some really good games on him, too, though. Yeah, but when you, you know, you know, here's the thing, though, dude. When you are playing a team like uh, Northwestern or, um, you know, some Big Ten team that sucks because the Big Ten sucks right now. 
and you're and you're you're just completing passes at will because you don't have any pressure. You're not getting hit in the face. Blah 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 blah. The first time he got hit in the face this year against Michigan, and last year, he faulted. He cannot. He's bad in pressure. Now you want to talk about Jared Goff and how he, you know, he, he you know, he is immobile. CJ Stroud doesn't like to run. He's not mobile. And the one thing about CJ Stroud that I, I have a comparison to. Is Dwayne Haskins, and I know Dwayne Haskins is past now, but like it's the same thing. He's a he's not he's not as mobile as a quarterback. Um, doesn't he's like he's a guy that like when he gets he finally gets pressured, not good. Like if you're gonna put me yeah. at a, if you're gonna put me at a spot where I need to take Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, I'm probably gonna take Bryce Young because I CJ Stroud is not the guy. I guess like so there was so much hype about this quarterback class in the beginning of the year, and there's a lot of there's always talk all of us talk about this depth. And the reason I say it's like I want a quarterback and I want it early is, for one, I feel like we start the competitive window. I feel like it lines up with us, right? So I give the quarterback a couple of years and then start our kind of start the countdown in our window. The other thing that uh, that I see is like if we don't take one now, like when do we and and are we? I mean, like because it's like, dude, you, you know, you got like Anthony Richardson, right? So the guy's like Cam Newton on steroids, but like also like if Cam Newton like was blind in both eyes and just chucked it <laughs> as hard as he could. Like his guy's super inaccurate, but his like intangibles, his, his physical traits are like so raw. Like he's like six, four, six, five, you know, 200, you know, 35, 240 pounds. Um, you know, he's, he's fast as hell. He's strong as hell. He's got a cannon on him. Like he's got all the things you want in a quarterback, big, tall, strong, fast, and just that it factor, like superstar written all over him, it, like for his physical traits. Let me just tell you about, but, but, he, about- but, but it's like, he, he's it, like his accuracy and his decision-making. It's like, dude, if somebody takes a chance on him, he'll either be your, he'll be an NFL MVP at some point in his career, or he will be Jamarcus Russell and he'll just be a bust. Like there's no in between that guy's either going to be awesome or horrible. I heard from people that, you know, they, they know Florida football and they said that there's people persuading him that he should stay another year. And I think that would be a good thing because one thing about Anthony, Anthony Richardson is he is, he's an amazing athlete. There's no doubting that. But when he throws a football, it is bad. Like we watched against Florida state. If you watch the Florida state, Florida game, there was a ball that he threw to his wide receiver that if, if, he threw it like just a hair sooner, it would have been fine. But he threw this ball so far in in the stands, like I was like, "Holy crap!" Like he missed him by like he missed him by twenty yards easily. <laughs> like it, that's just the reality. But if you're here's a quarterback that you need to talk about if you're gonna if you're gonna if you want to take a quarterback and you want upside, Michael Penix Washington. Because here's the thing about Michael Penix, he's gonna take a year to build up his size, build up you know, to the NFL standards, but he's a good, he, he throws the football pretty good. And if you, he's just your backup quarterback, I'll take it. Cause he's probably better than Nate Sudfield, but maybe he, he grows into something over a year. And when Jared Goss contract, you know, expires, you can go to him, but that's the only guy I'm, I'm taking right now. Cause uh, listen, they take a quarterback and it doesn't work. You set your franchise back four to five years easily. But it's like at the same time, like, like if you pick a guy, like, is he really gonna be like? How hard is it to meet like Jared Goff's level of, like? 
I think it's yeah, really hard. I, I think it's really hard. I really do. Because if you, if I mean, you, yes, if, in terms of protecting you, the ball. If you think about no, if you think about quarterbacks in this league, dude, just look at it. Look at the look at the Kirk Cousins, the Ryan Tannehills, and the J- J- Jimmy Garoppolo's and the Jared Goffs. There's a spot in the league for them. Like, go look at the Jets. Tell me they wouldn't take Jared Goff right now. Go look at the Carolina Panthers and tell me they wouldn't take Jared Goff right now. Like, go go to maybe go maybe you go to Arizona and say, would you take Jared Goff over Kyler Murray? I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that say they would take Jared Goff over Kyler Murray. Like the the the, the, the quarterback the quarterback play in this league is not good. Like you're aside from your your Mahomes, your Allen, your Herbert, like even Russell Wilson, the guy looks like he's like he looks horrible. Like the quarterback play in this league is awful. Yeah, I mean, um, like you you think Jared Goff is bad, right? It's not that I think he. I don't think he's bad. I think he is just not like good. He's not going to win you games. Like I don't think he's like. Like, bad to – I mean, I'm being a little harsh when I say he's, like, horrible or he's, like, a piece of crap. Like, he's – he's. I've seen worse. I mean, I'll, I've definitely seen pl- plenty worse. It's just I want a guy who can actually, like, send a play and do something fun. Like, I'm just tired of, like, noodle arm dude. When he runs, he looks like he has concrete shoes on. Like, Yeah, I, I, I get it. I, you want the flashy type of quarterback and over – Everything. And it's not even like you know, it's like it's not not even necessarily for that purpose or anything. It's just like you know, it would be nice to like have somebody like even like Taylor Heineke kind of has that like like will win you games, like pull stuff out of his ass, like kind of grit, like you know, just something that's like you know, I, I would fun argue, to kind of like root for. I would argue Jared Goff does more with less than Tyler, Taylor Heineke. You give you give Jared Goff the the wide receiving core. And the running backs and the um, tight end that they have in Washington, and I think he'd be ultra successful because you look at it. T- uh, they got um, um, McLaurin, Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Logan Thomas, Brian Robinson, uh, Antonio Gibson. Like that's that's Heineke is in a great situation. In fact, Carson Wentz couldn't hit any of them. Is just shows how bad Carson Wentz is. And it's like I get it because I'm also like I don't want to be the guy on the pod next year going Jared Goff back. This guy sucks. Like, like I don't want to be that guy. Like being like, man, I shouldn't have complained. Like you know, we had something decent. You know, it is what it is. I shouldn't have complained. But it's like I also walk around and you see everybody else with these new shiny toys who can actually throw the ball further than thirty yards. And can actually like I don't know run for a first down or like I don't know maybe not fall and shit their pants and cry when like their pressure comes in the pocket and just take sacks. Do you know who like, like Do you know who's like uh, Jared Goff more than people realize? Tua. Tua doesn't have this. Tua doesn't have this strong arm. I mean he 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 consistently underthrows Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill makes it because he's an elite wide receiver. Jalen Wilds elite wide receiver. I mean. There's a place in this league for guys like Jared Goff. Like, there just is. Or else there wouldn't be a Ryan Tannehill in t- Tennessee and there wouldn't be a Jimmy Garoppolo in, in it, San Francisco. It, and, and the reason, too, like, I always bring up to everybody is, like, I always say, like, I don't want Jared Goff just because he's Jared Goff. I don't want Jared Goff at $36 million a year. Like, I think, we, like, we've talked about it before, and I've even brought it up. 
if he comes back on a friendly team deal of like say million, twenty five million a season, twenty eight million a season, and like it's somewhat team friendly and we can get out of it if we need to, and we like develop a really good defense and a really good team around him, like I don't necessarily hate it, but like Goff at thirty six million, like <laughs> nah. Yeah, here, here's the thing, though. I mean, uh, you know, if Jared Goff isn't worth the money you think he is, imagine Kirk Cousins, because they're the same quarterback. They are literally the same quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I mean, not a huge Kirk Cousins guy either. I mean, take, um, take away Justin Jefferson, Nam Thielen. What is that guy? Right. Right. Yeah, so, no, I, I mean, I get it. It's just like, it's just one of those things where it's like, like, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of like, you got a good thing going, you know, you got a decent thing going, you know, it, it could go well. Um, but it's, it's like, it's like having a good job, you know, it's like you got this job where you like, you don't love it. You don't hate it. You know, you could be, you know, you're, you're making okay money, but you know, you kind of want the, the, the job that's like super high risks, high reward. Like you could make 150,000, you know, maybe you want to do real estate or maybe you want to, you know, right. um, sell cars or sell insurance, but you could also fall flat on your ass and be broke. Yeah. You know, you got to be thankful because you know you're making twenty five, you know, twenty five bucks an hour. Well, you know, you could, you know, um, you know, get knocked back a step, and you'd have to be making, you know, fourteen, you know, at a gas station or at a fast food joint. With nothing wrong yeah. with that, but I'm saying like that, and in that point in life, it's like it's like you know, you want the next step, something that's really going to take you to that huge next level, and but it's like worrisome part is too. Uh, so I do see the people, uh, the golf supporters, because it's like, man, you could ruin a decent thing that you got going, and you could be stuck in a worse position. But it's I like look, that's where at, you got to gauge. Like, I look at this Jared Goff thing as worth the risk. I I look at this Jared Goff, you know, topic conversation, like kind of like this. You mentioned the job part, but I, I'm I'm gonna tie it to something that's really personal with a lot of people. It's like when you have a good girlfriend, right, or a good wife, or a good husband, or a good boyfriend or whatever because i know there's women that listen to pot too and like you 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 see an, you see this hot like woman or man or whatever the hell you 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 align with and you're like i'm gonna go towards them and then you realize after like you date them for a couple months or whatever that they're just a shitty human being and like you messed up a good thing and like that's like kind of what it is it can either be good or it can be bad like that's it's either that's there's no in between yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, like, like, and know. I get I get both sides of the equation because I don't really think that Jared Goff is this great quarterback, but I also don't think he's like as bad as people say, and like I think that if there was as many good quarterbacks coming out, we wouldn't have as many uh, quarterback openings like we do in the NFL. I mean, look at the guy like Jalen Hurts. I mean, the guy was drafted in the second round, and now he's becoming one of the best players in the NFL. I mean, sometimes if if you get a good quarterback in like the second or third round. And you kind of twerk him the way you want to. Maybe it works. But, like, you know, you look at some of these first-round picks, dude, like Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. Uh, there's so many misses that it's crazy because all these teams are trying to, you know, get quarterbacks that they think are going to be better than the ones that they have. And then they get these quarterbacks, and they're like, holy crap, this is not good. Like Zach Wilson. It's, but it's just in this, but in the same breath, too. It's like okay. Move it's on like, to the Jags game here. But, oh yeah. But oh, on, yeah. The other, on the other side, on the other topic too, though. Think about it. Is like you like just like when is the time? Because are you just always gonna be okay with like, like the Alex Smith thing, right? Like 
Alex Smith, who's like Jared Goff to a game manager, really lose games, but can definitely win you some. Yeah, like, but it was just like like ten and seven, nine and eight, getting to the playoffs, winning a game, and then losing or not winning any games. Like then we're stuck in the back in the oh Jim Caldwell's nine and seven. You're not good enough. Like like I don't know. It's like do you just ride that out and hope that like the rest of the team figures it out? Or do you actually take the leap, even though it's scary, and find your 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 guy like these teams found, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, you know, some you know on the fence kind of Justin Fields, um, you know, these these young guys who are having a lot of success, you know, because you can't ever get to that new shiny toy that actually unlocks things in your offense. You can't get there unless you do take the risk and you say, I am gonna make the leap and we're gonna go see what this guy's all about. Yes, it can blow up in your face. But it's like if you never take the risk, are you just going to have average forever? I mean, average is not going to win you a Super Bowl. I mean, some could do, some could debate that. Trent freaking Dilfer has a Super Bowl, and I understand it. But it's like it seems like more and more the league is evolving to where, like, you need an upper echelon guy at quarterback to be taken seriously, you know, for, like, sustained contention. Like I, I would disagree because if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and Sam Sitzko, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I mean, it, people have questions about him, and Jalen Hurts is there, and it was a second-round pick. Here's the thing. It's a good thing Brett Holmes has John Dorsey to lean on with this because I think that this is, like, one of the major things that people in the Lions uh, fan base, they, they worry about. He's like, what happens if they do pick a quarterback? And I think it's a good thing that you are – you have the guy in the general manager uh, spot that has a guy that he can listen to and be like – the guy who was important drafting Patrick Mahomes and be like, this guy's not it. This guy's not it. This guy's not it. Cause obviously if he could draft Patrick Mahomes, he can draft any quarterback and that's John Dorsey and John Dorsey being in the same room as, as um, Brad Holmes is absolutely huge. And I'm glad I'm not yeah. making this decision. But my buddy, my buddy said it this way. Uh, I had lunch with a good friend of mine. Um, Grant shout out Grant. If you're listening, um, I had a good lunch with my buddy and he said, look, he said, I've, tr- I've gotten to trust, Brad Holmes, like not not know him, but he's gotten to, like to the point where he trusts Brad Holmes so much. He's like, if he takes a quarterback or he doesn't, he's like, I have no other choice. He's like, I'm gonna support whatever decision he makes, and he's like, I'm just gonna be like, whatever he decides, whatever players he picks, I'm basically gonna be happy and grateful for those players because he has not shown me anything that makes me not believe in him or his oh, picks as a sure. GM. So oh, it's like. For sure. You know, we, we might say, man, C.J. Stroud sucks or Will Levis sucks or Bryce Young sucks or whatever sucks. But if Brad Holmes picks him, I'm going to say, you know what? That's our guy. And he sees something. He believes in him. And this guy, this guy's, you know, this guy's a genius, man. This guy knows what he's doing. So whoever he does take, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm gonna know he did it for a reason. So And, you know, it, it's a good thing that he has John Dorsey in that background. Like I said, like it, having John Dorsey is huge. Like that's huge because John Dorsey has been a great uh, – you know, guy who's been a part of, you know, taking quarterbacks and, and some haven't worked out and some have worked out, but John Dorsey's a, an amazing uh, guy to lean on if I'm Brad Holmes. And that's a good credit to Brad Holmes. Cause he built that staff like it is, but we're going to do the Buffalo. We're going to do the, that's the end of the bills uh, lions recap with the quarterback situation <laughs> that we've mixed in. So we are going to go to the next segment, obviously we'll break and then we'll go to the, the, uh, Jaguars Lions preview. Uh, I was reading something on Twitter, but it didn't. It it's from unverified sports source, so I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to read it, but we'll do the Lions uh, Jags preview uh, for the week. And then you will obviously mix in some videos before that too, but that'll be in the next segment. So join us in the next segment as we talk about the Jags Lions game coming up to Sunday. All right, Tyler, so Sunday, the Lions play the Jaguars. Uh, Obviously, this is going to be a really big game for the Lions if you're looking at playoff hopes, whatever, because you can't lose this one. The Jags just came off a really good game where they played the Baltimore Ravens, and they won a two-point conversion. They came back. Marvin Jones tied the game with the – he had the touchdown that pretty much tied it before they went for two. Um, They could have tied it, but they went for two, and they won the game off that. Um, but here's the thing, like the Jaguars, they are sneaky good. Um, they're, they're the same way as the Lions. They have some holes, but they're, they're moving along really, really good. And it's like, kind of like the Lions too. Like you don't know what Trevor Lawrence you're going to get and you don't know what Jared Goff you're going to get. But I think the one major thing about this game, Tyler, is the running back. Travis Etienne got hurt in the last game, uh, foot injury. There's no yeah. word, there's no word if he's gonna get hurt that he's gonna play or not, but like it, it, he had a foot injury that made him miss the whole year last year. And Travis Etienne's a huge player because he's he's a special running back, and him and uh, Lawrence have a lot of uh, you know familiar familiarity with each other. Um, so you look at that that loss that could be a potential game swinger in my opinion. Well, yeah, and and um, I just like. I test like I think that the Lions have been playing more cohesive ball and playing better than the Jags. Yeah. Um, the Jags do have some good vets on both sides of the ball and a lot of young players. It, it, they're kind of in a similar spot than us. Besides, they have like a future like franchise um, player uh, at quarterback like Trevor. I'm still a huge Trevor Lawrence like believer. Um, he's starting to come into his own and play pretty well, um, but. You know, so that you kind of got that uh, on on that a little bit there. Um, you do have uh, you know some some little bit extra speed. Uh, defense is better, that's for sure. Um, so it should, but it should be a good matchup because um, you know, I just think the Lions down the stretch, and, and I do expect them to do good things. I mean, ETN being out, I mean, is definitely if he uh, did they did they say he was out already for next week. I'm reading on Twitter uh, that they expect him to play, um, but there's you know people that think he won't play. Um, but yeah, so so limited, you know, limited action. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, regardless, regardless, man. Honestly, I'm just trying. To, I'm just gonna watch and enjoy the rest, like the, how the games go the rest of this year. Because in my opinion, I've got I've seen what I've wanted to see already this year. What I mean by that is like I've seen progress. Yeah. I've seen culture change. Yeah. I've seen young guys develop. I've seen all these things come to fruition. I'm just going to enjoy the rest of the season and see what happens. If we start to lose a few, we get a little better, a little bit better draft position. Mm-hmm. If we win some more and we get towards the playoff hunt, like, I'm happy either way. Like I said, if we, you know, end the season on six wins, you know, or nine wins, like I said, I, I, I will be excited either way because I do think this, this, uh, this season has been a turning point. Um, and and it has given me hope for the future. Uh, As far as this game coming up, though, I'm definitely looking to see how this defense does against a team that is not super overpowering on offense. Yeah. Um, The last time we played a team that was super not very, you know, 
over uh, confident on offense or great on offense. Um, you could say like the Jags and the, or I'm just, I'm sorry, the, the Giants, Giants and the, yeah. uh, on the, and the command and the commanders. And we won both of those games um, yeah. because we were able to swallow, kind of swallow up that offense, um, you know? And so I don't expect this to be some sort of crazy shootout. And, and Jeff Okuda being back, Jerry Jacobs being back, that'll be huge. Obviously Jonah Jackson being back for the, the offense, that'll be huge. Um, like, listen, I, I think the Lions are in a position where they need to win some games. Um, obviously, when you have the Jets on the schedule, you have the uh, Jags on the schedule, the Panthers on the schedule, Bears on the schedule. I think that's four wins right there. You can make a case for the Vikings and the Packers, too. That's five, six. I mean, th- listen, these are all winnable games. And if they went on a tear where they went four and two down the stretch and they want, they went eight and nine, that's a successful season. But the Jaguars game, I think, is a, is a huge tipping point because if you can come back from that Buffalo loss – and you could come back and you could beat the Jags at home. I think you're setting yourself up for the next couple, the next month, December, is going to be mayhem at Ford Field. Especially when you play the Vikings and you play the Bears and uh, you come you come and you play the Vikings and the Bears and you're at home and you have a shot to win, you know, jump to six wins. And then maybe when you play the Bears after those, you know, the Jets game and everything, you have a chance to get to eight or nine. Like, holy crap, that could be a huge tipping point for this franchise because, listen, a lot of people, they look at draft position as, like, the major key out. But the one thing you need to know about, you know, rebuilding a, a team that's, like, young and, you know, they're still learning is winning cures all. Like, if you if you if if these kids start learning the way of how to win, like, the Lions have never done that. Like, you, you like the Lions have never been a team where they – they were a young team to start out with. They got healthier. Like, they're getting healthy at the right time. And I think when they add Jamison Williams to the fold, dude, it's going to be – they're going to be a tough-ass team to beat. And I don't really think they should lose any game that they go for go forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, it's weird because for the first time in a while, you do see there's a very good path um, to winning another big stretch of games, um, which is which is really great to, to kind of see and to hear. Um, and I think one of the things, um, that we are growing accustomed to is, um, just either kind of expecting to go in there and get Molly Wops yeah. or go in there and expect to, you know what the one thing that's helping, points. you know what the one thing that's helping us a team out though, dude, is the how they're getting healthy at the right time. And I think that's yeah, the major, they are, right? That's a major key because yeah, in the beginning of the year we were so unhealthy. So it's like it's nice to see that we're actually like I don't think our team is as bad as people want to make us out to believe. I think they we're were just, just, they were unhealthy. And 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 they and like I said er, like I said earlier, dude, we were talking about earlier. This team doesn't have the depth to, you know, take injuries after injury after injury. Like it's just, it's just not the team to build because they 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 just started to build up, you know, their roster. Obviously, when they get in a year three, year four, Brad Holmes, you're gonna see a stark difference. But right now, they don't, they can't take injuries like they like other teams. So, them getting healthy at the right time, the schedule being the way it is, dude, I, I think this is a good, this is good path for the Lions to win some games. I'm looking at four to five wins. And imagine if we, I mean, we say we go on another stretch where we go on another, we go, what is there, five games left? Uh, yeah, yeah, five games left. So imagine we go two, four and one, even five and oh. I mean, possible. But let's just say conservatively, we say let's say three and two. 
you know, you go from year one winning three wins to year two winning seven wins or to winning um, seven games, dude. Buckling up, year three, everyone's getting healthy. People are good to go, like, barring any injuries the rest of the year. But you're starting to really, like, I mean, six you're kind of going all in at that point. Okay, six. yeah, good or, yeah, 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 we're four and seven. Um, So, you know, you go four and two, you know, even three and three, four and two, five and one, you know, somewhere in that area. You know, dude, you feel really damn good going in this offseason. And I think you start catching attention from people. Oh, yeah. You start catching attention from free agents. You start catching oh, attention oh. from, you know, draft prospects. Like, it's – I think Detroit is turning itself around, man. And I think it's it's really exciting because depending on how we finish out this year, everyone's always like, lose for their draft pick, lose for the better draft pick, lose for the – Dude, if you can establish a winning culture and you can turn around and double your win total from last year, and you see that people wanted to stay with you even when you were winning three teams and people wanted to re-sign with you and people like your coach and people like your GM, like we're, you're moving in the right direction and give this team another year or two, man. And you're shutting up the haters. I know it, dude. I just, it's just, there's something different about it. Let's just put it this way. When the hell have you seen a one in six Lions team ever rattle off three, four wins in a row? You, you don't. And that's a credit to Dan Campbell and that coach said, because they could have folded and they didn't. And, and and they're really pissed off that they lost the Bills game too. So that's that's good to know because like obviously when you come out to play Jacksonville, you're gonna get a pissed off Lions team. And I think that's a really good sign for the Lions. But you know, here's the thing, dude. You just mentioned the free agents and everything. Imagine being a free agent and, and the Lions come and offer you a contract, right? Think about this. They're gonna have two first round draft picks, maybe one's in the top five, okay? Let's say the Lions go four and two to um end the season they have uh eight wins and you know nine losses right so they they finished right outside the playoff race if you're a free agent you go you ask yourself this i'm gonna go to a team that's gonna add two for two first round picks this guy who is drafting those those first round picks has shown he can bring talent there so i'm going to a team that's already getting better and better and better and you're telling me that i get paid to come here and, and they look at the way that they ended the season last year. And I can we can start a winning culture right there. I mean, that's the way that a lot of these team these players think. Like, oh, I can go to a winning team that's not on that has started winning, but they're going to be on the cusp. Bingo. I mean, yeah. that's how that's how people thought a couple years ago when they were the Buffalo Bills. You know, a couple years ago, people were like, you know, I see what they're building, and let's see. And then they they signed some guys and. Next thing you know, they're getting better and better, and they're now they're an NFL, you know, Super Bowl favorite. I mean, when the Chiefs come and offer you a contract, obviously you're gonna be like, hell yeah, I want to go play for Patrick Mahomes. But you look, you you have to have talent around you, and I think a lot of these uh, free agents are gonna be saying the same thing. Yeah, I mean, well, think about it, right? So, um, and, and we're kind of getting off topic, but I, I kind of it, it kind of roll into this Jags game coming in, right? Because think about the Jaguars. You, nobody wanted to come there when Urban Meyer was coaching. Right. Uh, I mean, it was very brief, but the culture was not good. Yeah. Um, so what did, I mean, they got some free agents, but they got a bunch of mid-level uh, free agents and they had to pay out the ass for them. Right. I mean, Christian Kirk got like 20 mil a year. Right. And it literally pissed off. I heard from uh, a couple sources, man, that it was it, like really pissed off a lot of like uh, NFL executives and like front like front offices 
um, like that deal alone, like people were pissed because they're like, look, you know, and I know that that guy doesn't deserve that shit. And I got a guy now like Devontae Adams or Tyreek freaking Hill that I got to pay $30 million because you want to freaking pay $20 million for Christian Kirk. Yeah. Like that no, pissed a lot of people off. You're right. It's just kind of one of those unwritten rules that you, you don't go out and like pay double market value for a guy because you reset the market and it pisses everyone off. Here's the thing about that, dude. It, it shows you how bad the culture was that they had to overpay for talent. You know, if you look at, like, the Buffalo Bills, do they have to overpay for talent? No. Do the Chiefs have to overpay for talent? No. Like, a lot of guys go there and be like, hell yeah, I'm going there. I'll go there for the veteran minimum. And that's what you build it up to. And when you have to overpay for talent, that's what you. That's what the old Lions did. Like, the old Lions, they threw money at people like Damian Woody and guys like that where, like, they were not even close to the money they were getting paid. And it just it blew up right in their face. So I like, I, well, yeah. And, well, it's like, and you don't want to be like, you don't want to be the team because, like, come to Detroit before, but we've had to overpay for them. We've had to pay guys like Jamie Collins big money. Yep. We've had to Trey pay, Flowers. you know, Trey Flowers big money. Um, we've had to pay all these guys big money that didn't necessarily deserve it, you know, because of the situation we we're in. So, you know, I'm not saying we're going to get these deals like we're some sort of contender right now. No. But you at least can – when you have the cap space, you can kind of battle in, um, you know, recruitment and uh, and free agency signings and stuff. You can kind of – you can you can kind of swing with some of the big dogs there. I mean, yeah, you – yeah, I mean, yeah, you pay maybe the market value on a guy to go to a good team and say four years, you know, 70 million. You know, maybe you got to fork over four years for 80 million. But you know what I mean? You maybe got to pay a little extra, five, 10 mil, a little extra. Right. But you're not sitting here, you know, paying 20, 22, 25 million for a guy that's worth 13 just because you're, you know, the Jags or just because you're a bottom tier team. So this does help a lot. And this does, like I said, people and people that got cut on the team, Khalil Pimpleton, um, you know, other guys that got cut during um hard knocks and and during the um you know training camp and and preseason they've had nothing but great things to say even with other teams other facilities those players like we've talked about that in the early pods those players talk those players chat executives talk they chat so it's like coming in you know that you're gonna play somewhere where they want you you have a yeah i think what tyler was saying like you know uh he dropped out for a minute but yeah, listen, when you have a guy, you know, when you have guys that come into the franchise and they're getting courted by you and the Detroit Lions come to the table and they say, listen, you can come here. You can come play with our guys. We're getting better. We're getting more talented. That's some of the things that will set this thing apart. You know, with the Jaguars and Lions, they're at stark differences. The Lions didn't overpay for talent because obviously they didn't have the cap to pay for talent. But if you look at the Jaguars, they paid for a lot of talent that they really couldn't uh, afford. And it's going to hurt them down the line. Because when you pay Christian Kirk the money he's getting paid, when you pay um, a couple of linebackers that you got, uh, you're overpaying for a lot of players. Like it's un- The the cap's going to end up getting to you. And uh, Tyler's back now. But, um, I got, I got I, blue. I got blue. No, I was just saying, I, I, was, I, was, I, was going, I was on a rant. I was like, you start to win, you start to build those cultures, especially against teams like the Jags. You know, yeah. coaches talk, players talk, executives talk, head coaches talk, people talk, and 
that word goes really far, and it goes beyond just the wins and losses. Yeah. You win three straight, and then you lose by a field goal to the Bills. People are now turning their heads. National media is talking. Uh, people on Twitter are talking. People on TV are talking. Like, it gets people talking, and now all of a sudden, you know how many people I've seen on Twitter and on TV be like, look, look, dude, the lines are for real. I yeah. mean, Robert Griffin. I mean, Tony um, Romo. Field Yates. Um, Tony Romo. Romo. I mean, all these guys, and it's like, that goes a really long way, man, because if you're on the, you know, you got a, a, a few teams left with good cap, and you're talking about like, man, do I go to, man, do I go to Chicago? Do I go to Jacksonville? Um, you know, do, do I go to, um, well, you know, Tyler, when you, when, do I go to Detroit? when you dropped out, I said that, I said, this is a stark difference between these two teams that are playing this Sunday. You know, the Jaguars, when they, when, uh, obviously they're in a rebuild too, but they had, they went out and overpaid for players, you know, and the Lions took a different approach. They didn't overpay for players. They kind of believed that the drafting and development would get them to the next level. They are at the same record. One team spent more than the other team last year in terms of uh, how much they paid for free agent talent. This is, they have the same record. So obviously it didn't get them that far. And you're seeing what the Lions are doing, you know, going forward through the rest of the season. Like if they win four or five games, dude, you're talking about a, a totally different narrative that's coming out of every NFL player's mind. They're like, listen, the Lions are building something special. They haven't spent free agency cash, but you know they're going to spend it. Uh, that's a it's a franchise that you want to go to because number one, yeah. number one, their practice facilities are absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if you've been to Allen Park, but like I have, yeah, I went there this year. I went to uh, I went um, to see uh, a practice they had um, yeah. about the second after like I think it was after like the third uh, hard, knock, game. hard knocks kind of showed what that that facility looks like. Like, it's beautiful man it was nice it's, it's it's phenomenal and that's what the lions that's what the lions ownership does they have put the money into you know the practice and and the food and everything that really you want as a player like jacksonville had to overpay for that the lions are sitting there going we just developed a lot of players we didn't spend any cash and we're at the same record as you ha huh? how do you feel right well how, and also you're thinking about you know, we need a vet running back to come in. How great does it feel to come into a place where you know that has a really solid offensive line? Or, or, or think really, about, or, or think about it like, or think about it like this: You're a defensive tackle. Oh, I can go play next to Lee McNeil and Aiden Hutchinson. Sweet, sign me up. Right, right, exactly. Or, or you're a linebacker that's getting quarterbacked by the Lions, and you go, okay, your your front seven is going to look like this. Your front four is going to look like this. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, Lee McNeil. Uh, let's say it's let's say it's Josh Pascal, like young kids that are, you know, they're budding into what they could be. If you're a linebacker. Well, and then also you think, if you're how, can I, how can I uh, progress my career too? Right. It's like, it's like if you're a linebacker, you're going like this. I get to play behind that guy. Okay, cool. I get to play. My linebacking core is uh, two young kids like Derek Barnes and Malcolm Rodriguez. Sweet. Makes my job yeah. even, even easier. Oh well, yeah. And then also too, you're thinking, you're telling me you're telling me that I I have a safety that can come in the box like Kirby Joseph or uh, Tracy Walker and help me out if I need it. Sweet, absolutely, one hundred percent. I'm on the super same page as you, dude. Because think about it too, it's like you got these guys coming in. Also, it's like, hey, some of these guys coming into the twilight of their careers. How can you extend my career? How can you help me? Can I, you know, I some guys don't want to come in and do everything again, man. Some guys want to like, hey, you know, ride homes. And Dan Campbell can develop talent. 
well, hey, if I'm on the twilight of my career, you know, maybe I can go to Detroit and, you know, help them win. Maybe, you know, may, then you, <clears throat> excuse me, then you start getting the guys like, you know, Von Miller when he went to the uh, the Bills because he wants yeah. to play for a contender and he and he wants to he exactly. still has some in the tank exactly Khalil Mack going to the yep. Chargers I mean you know you start to swing a couple of those guys and you're like damn all right like I'm digging that you know we're, we're building something I mean that's just the way it is and 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 eventually the Lions will be a free agent destination I I guarantee it because... like if right now if our if if we got like next year we went all out we got like Roquan Smith and like Deron Payne and then we drafted a team, a bunch of like drafted defenders, dude, next year you're talking about two guys. Like that's dangerous. Like now you're talking about like the worst, def- one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So holy shit. I don't want to play them. All right. How about, how about this? How about this? You draft, you draft Will Anderson, put him at the opposite edge of, uh, of, uh, eight Hutchinson, or you draft Jalen Carter. So you, either way you're hitting up need of, you're hitting a potential need. And you go to you go to Roquan Smith and be like, "This is gonna be your front seven. You know what he's saying? Hell yes. Yeah, sign me up. Hell yes. Because if you got if you draft a guy like Jalen Carter and you got two guys in the middle like Jalen Carter and Lee McNeil and Aiden Hutchinson on the edge, if you're Roquan Smith, you're like, "Sign me up, dude. Nine times out of ten, I'm going. Let's go." Yeah, absolutely. No, you are a hundred percent right, and that's the beauty of this whole thing. And so it's like, that's why you have to be. You can't be so like, and I'm guilty of it, man. I've done it too. You can't be so short-sighted with these things yeah. because that's how good teams are built and that's how good teams are developed by changing the things that like aren't necessarily like play on the field. Like, yes, play on the field is huge and important, but like when you start to do all the other things and you build this culture and you build a good staff and you build the good position coaches, and you win these, you know, good games, or you're, like, it's it just, there's something about, like, building the, in the right way that just it attracts people, and it's just such a trickle-down effect. Oh, for like, sure. Like, I mean, Bobby, Bobby Wagner went to the freaking Rams on an $8 million deal. Detroit right. would have had to pay that guy $25 million a year. Oh, for sure. Like, let's get back to why we did this segment, the Jaguars and Lions. I mean, like I said, like we're saying right now, these are the stark differences between the two teams, okay? they One went out and spent money, overspent, and looked stupid because they have the same record as the Lions. The Lions said, listen, we're going to draft, we're going to develop, we're going gonna, we're gonna to keep our talent, and we're going we're gonna to build. That's the two differences. And they had the same record, and you're going to see Sunday which one – is is really making more headway towards what we're talking about, you know, being an NFL contender. Which one's closer to being that that next team that's going to take the next step up? That's what we're talking about. Obviously, you know, obviously the, the two teams that are going to play Sunday, different mindsets, and it's going to be like which one wins out. You know what I'm saying? Is it is it yeah. the, is is it the Lions' way where they took the pro- pragmatic approach? Said we're going to play we're going to play it cool. We're gonna get free agents next year because you know we'll have more money to spend, or is it the Jaguars where we're we're gonna go spend stupid money, and we're still a four seventeen? Well, and to look like look Dan Campbell versus Doug Peterson, everyone like a lot of people like and respect Doug Peterson. He oh, yeah. won a, a Super great, Bowl. He's a great coach. He's a good coach. Um, you know he won a Super Bowl, but dude, Campbell. I mean, 
he go, well, you know, that's going to show a lot for him. You know, look, you know, you go um, to New York and you be Brian Dayball, you know, you be more, you, you know, you go in, um, you beat Ron Rivera at, at home, you know, and then you, you beat another guy like Doug Peterson. It's like, be big for him too because now people are actually he's coming in and he's beating these other you know obviously it's the team and the players for the most part but it's cool as a coach to be able to say hey you know I'm beating top tier coaching and I'm beating these teams that are on the up and up you know I want my respect I want my flowers too so it's going to yeah. be cool to see him go head to head with some of these you know quote unquote great and I'm, I shouldn't say quote unquote because they are you know, best coaches in the league up there to go in to, to go into a game against those guys and and out coach them and have your players come out on top. I mean, it's gonna be big. Like that's a big deal. Yeah, and and just looking at Dan Campbell, these two teams that he played, the Eagles and the Bills, that could potentially meet in the Super Bowl. He lost to them by a combined six points. I mean, that just show, shows you everything. And there was one thing I there was one thing I heard today, Tyler, that we'll end the podcast with. Especially with this Lions game, we'll give our we'll give our keys to the game too and everything. But this is this is last we'll talk about this. But I heard this on on a, the radio. Uh, someone said this, and I I totally agree with it. There's a difference between playing for a player, who playing for a coach who was a player, and there's a difference between playing for a coach who was never a player. And the thing that Dan Campbell can say is that he's been in every one of those guys' shoes. He's been in every one of those guys' shoes. And Tony Romo alluded to this, and this is where, this is where I was like, okay, Dan Campbell literally is the same dude he's been, ever been. It's because he said, you know, when, he, when uh, Tony Romo was with Dallas and Dan Campbell was with Dallas, he said he was a team captain as a backup tight end. Just think about that. So that that's, big, that's big time, dude. In Dallas, where Jason Witten's your tight end. I mean that just show, yeah. shows that tells you everything you need to know. This is a guy who was, um, you know, obviously Bill Parcells is the guy he falls under the coaching tree, uh, Sean Payton's coaching tree too. Like this guy has the, the the he has the goods to get it done, and he comes from you know a part of the uh, the coaching trees where you're like, okay, this guy comes from guys who can win. Bill Parcells and Sean Payton, sign me up. Yeah, it's gonna be. Man, things are starting to click with Dan Campbell. I think things are starting to click with the staff. Things are starting to click with these players. And I, I think, think I think they're only going to get better too. I think that you are absolutely right, and I and I do commend you for this because there were so many people, and I and I was right up there with you about not giving up on Dan Campbell. I was getting a little frustrated, but you were right up on the course there of like takes these guys and these coaches and these 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 players and these coaches longer than 20 games, man, to really prove themselves. So it's like you're starting to see that the turnaround time yeah. is coming into fruition. And, you know, and, and guys like Aaron Glenn are, are kind of figure, figuring it out with the little talent they have due to injury or just lack of talent. Yeah, You know, you're, Dan Campbell's figuring it out. You know, his, his coaching is – dude, even from, like, you know, the first few weeks until now, it's like night and day. It's like, holy shit, I'm actually watching a competent coach. Like, it's, it's yep. awesome. You know, they trusted Ben Johnson to come in. He's doing great. I mean, Deuce Staley and Hank Fraley are awesome. Hank Fraley is an awesome. Like, he's, he's, an, he's an animal. They're great, dude. I mean, and it's like, so it's like we finally, like, 
dude, how many times have we actually in our lifetimes, and I'm sure most of our parents' lifetimes or grandparents' lifetimes, have you ever ever gotten to sit there and be like, shit, I actually love this Lions front office top to bottom. Yeah. No, like, I, re- I, totally, I totally agree with you. Awesome. And, and when we look forward to Sunday, like, dude, like, I think the Lions are going to come out with a very, very big, like, they're going to be out to kill. I think the Bills game. Yeah. I think the Bills game really showed them that like they are on the cusp, and it gave them the confidence that like says like yeah we can play with anybody in this league. Obviously, beating the Giants the way they did was obviously great. But when you play a team like the Buffalo Bills and you come close, and then you come home and you you stay home and you play the you play the Jacksonville Jaguars, bring them in. Like just bring them in. Yeah. No, I mean there and there's no one that's and, and I said this about the Commanders, um, and I said this about. Um, the Bears and a couple other teams. There's not many, if any, guys that really scare you that are coming into this game. Um, like the Jags, I think they're there's no one. I think we're like super worried about like shutting down or making sure that we're um, you know containing. Um, I think that they are. There's no Stefan Diggs. There's no Stefan right. Diggs. Like, and that's or... the problem. We're worried about these guys popping off because we don't have the talent level. Well, I think schematically, we can definitely. Um, look what they did. Look, know, look what this look, look what this team did with Saquon Barkley. Oh yeah, made him look like garbage. I mean, that's just the way that this Lions team is going. And I, when we look at the Lions Jags game, man, like I look at this game as one thing. I, I look at this game as a win for the Lions. Obviously, I think the Lions are going to win this game, but going away, I think they're going to. I think they're going to win by at least ten points, at least. Because I think what this Lions team is going to do is I think they're pissed off that they lost the Bills. They figured that this is where I'm telling you the culture's changes because what's happening is Taylor Decker was pissed and he's like, these aren't the same old effing Lions. You know what I'm saying? You got these guys coming out and they re- they're going to come out like a reckless abandon. They're going to get healthier. Jeff Okuda being back. Jerry Jacobs being back. Jonah Jackson being back. Pfft, listen, dude. I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to have a big game this week. I really do. I think he's going to absolutely kill it. Yeah, like, I like he did. And well, I think, I think also there's a little extra edge because he's going against Trayvon Walker, who everyone wanted to take over him. Oh, you know that's going in his mind. And I think the one person that's really going to have a big game this week is Kirby Joseph. I think Kirby – Dude, you know what? Dude, and, go, and I'm not trying to retrace back much, but did you see that last play when Josh Allen fired that rifle in to get them in the field goal range? Yeah. Kirby Joseph was literally like – half a second if that away from like breaking that off or picking that off man he was so freaking he's, he's a ball hawk and if in and, and, and with age i mean with another year i think he gets that ball to be honest like i think if you look at the way that play developed like he was there he just took the wrong route to the ball and he was within it he was within a foot how how crazy is it though you know looking looking at it is that you know you can get you can build your cornerstones and you can get you know these guys you can um, you, you, who would have thought your franchise cornerstones were going to be built off of you know a sixth rounder a third rounder you know a couple of fourth rounders you know like that it's shows just, you, it's awesome that shows about. you Brett Holmes that's like that's Brett Holmes right there that's that's what he does like that that he's showing that's exactly who he is he builds this team from absolutely nothing and he says he says okay. I'm gonna draft my guys. Draft Kirby yeah. Joseph. Draft his Aminara St. Brown. I think I'm well, Saint, I think I think Kirby Joseph is gonna have a huge game this week because if you look at one player that really could t- turn the tail is the one thing that you read. You know, I did the All 22 film of Jacksonville. 
And the one thing you notice about Jacksonville is the one thing Trevor Lawrence really struggles with is a lot with a lot of quarterbacks struggle with is when he is throwing the ball, he will stare down a wide receiver. Like yeah, last, you know, this week with uh, the Baltimore Ravens, he made some throws that were really, really great. Right. But the one thing about it was the Jacksonville, the Ravens didn't have Marlon Humphrey and that changed everything because Marlon Humphrey's a, yeah. he's a dog. But when he when he had when he was picking Peters apart and then he would go to the opposite side, obviously when you you can go to the opposite side and, and pick that guy apart because he's not as good as Marlon Humphrey and Marlon Humphrey changes it. Lions have Kirby Joseph and the, one of the things about Kirby Joseph is he's kind of that that guy that he he'll read the he'll read uh, Trevor Lawrence's eyes. I think when he reads Trevor Lawrence's eyes, he's going to pick off Lawrence at least once. Yeah, um, I. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's nuts to see the progression of some of these young guys, and it's really important in this game too. Like, like I said about the Jacksonville Jag, or I'm sorry, like I said about the Commanders, um, and, and the Bears. I talked about it briefly before those games. These games are very important to a franchise that's rebuilding and growing because it shows you. Look, it's really cool that we beat a couple good teams. It's really cool. Like, it's really cool that we came close to the Bears. But if you can bury these teams that are that people view you as on the same level as them, you're no longer on the same level as them. Yeah. So if we come out here and we can kick their ass by 14, 17, that's a big statement. If you come out and you kick the crap out of the, the Jaguars after they just beat the Ravens, everyone will notice that. And I'm pretty sure Minnesota will see them. They're like, okay, this <laughs> – we are going into a hornet's nest, and we better be on our game because the Lions are actually like a legit team. I think the Lions are going to be out for blood because the way that they, the way those those players were talking, and uh, obviously Jared Goff he speaks to the ninety-seven one on Tuesdays, but the way they were talking after the game, like they were pissed, and I, I just see them taking it out on the Jaguars. Yeah, I am definitely excited to see this. So what's your, what's, what's your, what's, what's your final, you got a prediction for the game? Yeah, man. Uh, so, um, prediction for the game is, um, Malcolm Rodriguez is going to get an interception. Oh man. Um, yeah. So, uh, so he's going to stuff the run really well, but he's going to sneak over to the flat, man. He's going to pick one off. Uh, I'd love to see it because he's got great run stuffing ability. He's actually not bad in coverage, but like how, how how badass and eye popping would it be for him to like snag a pick? Oh, that'd be Um, awesome. Oh yeah, dude. Awesome. So I I, I want to say like bold hopefuls, but like I'm just gonna go out and make it a prediction. Malcolm Rodriguez interception, um, and then I'm gonna go with uh, James Houston gets another sack, mm. um, and then we're gonna talk. We're gonna say um, we're gonna say thirty. No, 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 we're not. We're gonna say twenty-seven, seventeen lines. I'm going to go 34-17 Lions. I think Aiden Hutchinson has two-plus sacks. I think Kirby Joseph pick, I think Kirby Joseph picks off Trevor Lawrence. And I think this time Kirby Joseph gets a pick six. Oh, and yeah. um, and I think that really, – I think, honestly, I think Jared Goff is going to have a good game. And if Jameson Williams plays, all bets are off because I think that – I think this Lions offense is about to pop. I really do. D- DJ Chark being healthy, getting in the, in the game a couple times – I think that'll be huge. Um, from what I hear, DeAndre Swift is is he's pretty close to healthy. So if you get more Swift, you get more Williams in the in the, in the goal line, dude. I I think the Lions are out to kick some ass this week. I really do. I hope so, man. Let's go, baby. Let's get it going, man. Those 
it was great bullshitting with you, man, chopping it up, and and let's oh, yeah. let's get a let's get a dub, dude. Let's let's knock it out. All right, so we'll see you guys on the next Detroit Lions podcast as we talk about the Lions uh, Jaguars game. We'll do the post game show. Obviously, we didn't do that on Thanksgiving because there's too much going on, on on Thanksgiving. But we will see you guys Sunday as we talk Lions Jags. Hopefully, after a win. Um, Tyler, it's been a great podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. I mean, Sunday. Yeah, absolutely, man. Take it easy, guys. All right, see you guys.